When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Tonight, another episode of, of By the Numbers. Joining me, of course, my co-host, Dan Reese. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. What a game, huh? That was that was a pretty wild one. Good mental health game, as I've been saying this week. You know, it's 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 what we do requires kind of a lot of work. We spend a lot of time doing this, and and you want to do it more after a, after a nice win. So every once in a while, you just need to be rewarded with a little peanut like this that was a, was a, a great game. Exactly. Absolutely. There was a, I was all set to, you know, have a moral victory, you know, a nice tight game despite all the challenges. And then just to pull that out, what a, what an unbelievable ending. So pull that out by pulling it out. And I'm sure we'll talk about that <laughs> as we go on here. Anyway, uh, we, we have some numbers today. We, we went overboard a little bit, but Dan, start us off. All right. Sounds good. I've got uh, three numbers um, for the first one. 3.3%, and 211. Uh, 0.7% is the probability that Pringle would score on his 40-yard touchdown um, based off of the uh, the next-gen stat um, model. Uh, he ended up getting 34 yards after catch, which was 24 more than expected. 3.3 uh, was the probability of Kelsey scoring on the 46-yard touchdown, uh, 43 yards of yak, 27 more than expected. And then 211 total yards after catch for Kansas City in week two, the highest so far in 2021. 123 is the average per game so far in 2021. So, you know, a huge amount more. Just, uh, you know, tackling, pursuit angles, too much separation, just all a ton of issues with, uh, you know, some of the the big pass plays, um, you know, which were very clear. So just to be clear, the, the, the expected yak is determined at the point of the catch, kind of like expected yards is at the point of the handoff. 
Correct. Yep. It's okay. based off of the alignment of wide receivers um, and defenders um, on the on the field. You know, it does. And I'm not sure whether it takes into consideration speed um, at the time of the catch, but uh, it it takes into consideration where they are. So, um, you know, for Pringle, uh, even even with uh, nearly seven yards of separation from the nearest defender. He still had a 0.7% because, you know, there was uh, there were a number of defenders that he had to get by, including uh, Stevens and, you know, a number of others uh, that he just outran and they took bad angles and it was just, it got ugly fast. So It, it really was. The Kelsey thing was a missed tackle fest too. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised the Kelsey one was higher as an expected scoring, because I think this model is like the expected yards model where it looks at 22 on 22. So it's also considering the possibility of blocks downfield. Correct. And okay. So that's, that's uh, just fascinating to me that his chance to score was five times as high when he caught the ball, you know, three yards from the line of scrimmage. Oh, well, okay. So I'll go on to my first number here, which is eight zero zero and zero. So eight is the number of off ball blitzes, for the Ravens, zero stunts, zero simulated pressures, and zero deceptive rushes versus the Chiefs. The eight off-ball blitzes were all on separate plays, one each. And as I define a deceptive pass rush, you need to have any two elements on one play. So they never did that against the Chiefs. They also rushed five or more on only six of 31 dropbacks, 19%. It was by far the most conservative pass rush scheme of Martindale's tenure. And I think it was a very strong response to getting beaten as badly as they did when blitzing in 2020 by the Chiefs. Yeah, it must have been killing Martindale the entire game to, <laughs> to not be able to do anything fun. You know, uh, I think it's a lot of things. You know, I think it was the, you know, response to uh, how, how well he did against the Blitz previously, you know, missing, um, you know, tools in his toolbox of different mm-hmm. defenders that could do things. I think the Browns had a good uh, game plan, kind of giving him big cushion uh, and it worked pretty well in week one. Um, you know, so I think he went with the Vanilla and must have been killing him. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it should be different this week. The Lions have all sorts of offensive line problems, and they also have a quarterback who gets a lot of flustered by getting moved off the spot. So we should be back to seeing some cool stuff. Yeah, he should have fun now. Yep. All right, my next set of numbers is uh, 54.5%. And 16.7%. Those were the third down efficiencies in week two. Uh, The Ravens went six for 11, 54.5%, which is a huge improvement from three for 12 in week one. And the defense held Kansas City one for six, 16.7%, compared to the seven for 15 uh, in, in week one. So just a drastic improvement on both ends, which was huge, continuing to move the ball for the Ravens and, uh, you know, stopping Kansas City whenever possible. So, you know, third down conversion rates are massive in the NFL. So just keeping that on a roll is, is key. Couldn't agree more. The, the one for six, the problem I have with that number is that they only got Kansas City to third down six times the whole ballgame. That's not good because they, they obviously scored plenty of points in this game. They scored yep. five, five touchdowns, right? No, no extra points, all extra points made rather. So, you know, it wasn't like they weren't scoring and converting. They were just doing it on a first and second down. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those games. Uh, I, I'll give you the, the statistic that I, I think really killed the Ravens in this one from a passing perspective, other than Yak, is 13 of 13 for 191. Those are the passing statistics when the inside linebackers were targeted versus the Chiefs for a passer rating of 144.4, one touchdown, no interceptions there. Um, so 
when the Chiefs had three straight scores where they took the 35 to 24 lead, the Ravens also scored once in there. Um, Mahomes did it primarily while exploiting the middle of the field with short ball out quick passes before pressure had a chance to develop, even though it might their, their blocking might not have held up on those. Um, and, and he did it really by attacking what the inside linebackers were doing. So they adjusted very well in the middle of that game, figuring out where the Ravens weakness was and exploited, exploited, exploited it. And then it's pretty amazing. Frankly, the Ravens were able to turn it around at the end of that game. Yeah. You know, that's uh, those are some pretty rough stats. Uh, you know, I think Harrison really struggled. I think queen had his struggles too. Uh, you know, they're, they're tough matchups, but um, you know, I think uh, you know, being down, down some players and, and they definitely exploited it for sure. You're right. That's, that's uh, pretty crazy. So, all right. And my next number is 31.7%. Uh, so 31.7% is the conversion percentage on a new to get a new set of downs on first down alone. So it's 31.7% of the time on first down, the Ravens have been able to get a new set of first downs. That's the highest in the NFL, which is, is pretty amazing for uh, a, a run first team. Uh, this was inspired for me to look into this by a tweet by PFF Moo. So I want to just give him a little credit for that. Um, and how are they able to do it? it was actually they've had, had success on first downs, both when they pass and run, they uh, convert on a first down um, 43.5% on pass plays, which is second only behind Kansas city and 25% on run plays, which is second behind surprisingly Dallas. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive and it's really impressive when you see how they've, how that compares to 2020 when it was only 21%. 22nd in the league and 2019 was 21% as well, which was 15. So even when they had the unbelievable offense in 2019, they still only converted uh, a new set of to get a new set of first downs on first down 21% of the time. So they are being a lot more aggressive on first down, both passing and getting big run plays as well. So it's, it's been great. I know one thing was said was that the Ravens needed to pass more on first down. This looks to me like they still are only passing about a third of the time based on interpolating between 25 and 43.5 to get 31.7. Yeah, I think it's 60-40 or so. Um, and it's pretty consistent with what it was last year's, And uh, and I'd guess so as well for 2019. So uh, they haven't moved much uh, to pass more. Um, but they when they have been passing, they've been more aggressive for sure. Yeah. My, my other question about this is what yardage is, is better. And maybe, you know, this from, from all the work you've done on this topic is better than getting a first down. Would you rather have, let's say you can get nine yards guaranteed. What's the equivalent number of yards with a first down that would be as good as getting nine yards? It's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know if you know the answer, but is it 13? Is it 12? You know, it, it, it stands to reason to me. And I usually say nine's better than 10 whenever they gain nine on first down. Yeah, it depends on your, you know, how, how you attack second down, whether you're just doing a quick run to get a first down or you're taking that shot. So, um, uh, there's, there's, I, I'm sure there's got to be a way to, to work through that model it or calculate it. Maybe it's, maybe it's easier to calculate than I'm, than I'm really, thinking in my head it would be but anyway i'd love to know that if, if yeah, you ever run across fun thing to look into oh. okay so that was that was you right so we're back to me okay so i've got 1.82 and that is the combination 
of tight ends, fullbacks, and sixth offensive linemen per play versus the Chiefs. The point I'm making is the Ravens went to an extreme usage of inline players, jumbo formations, and using a fullback to help the fact that they didn't have tackles that they really trusted in this game. So they had Villanueva, had a very bad game on the right side, moved to the left. They had McCarry in as a, a, frankly, an emergency player on the right side. McCarry played very well, uh, was well protected, but he played very well, whether whether he's a guard or tackle in the game. Uh, Villanueva has gotten a lot of praise for his game. Honestly, I I thought it was a C effort from him uh, in terms of what he did at left tackle, but also was well protected in terms of of having uh, covering players on that side. Uh, The Ravens twice in this game used 14 personnel, which I don't remember seeing from them very often, let's put it that way. (laughs) Uh, But they had uh, four tight ends and one running back on the field. And uh, I think what's interesting about this is that their concerns over tackle quality actually made them a much more potent running team. And they caught just the right team on the other side of this that really wasn't able to stop the run. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, something to praise Roman for, you know, knowing the weaknesses, recognizing it and and understanding that he needed to provide the help. You know, I think he did a little bit at the end of week one. I started to help them out and, you know, really committed to it in week two. So, and it, like you said, it it worked out perfectly. So it's great to see him do it. Is that the blueprint going forward for the 2021 Ravens? Um, I don't see how it wouldn't be. Uh, I think they, as long as they have these tackles that need help, uh, maybe when Stanley comes back and if Villanueva is able to pick up his game, uh, right tackle, then maybe you can lean away from it. But yeah, I think you got to know that you have weaknesses in tackles and tackles and help them out. You know, that's how you get better passes. That's how you get better runs. Just, uh, you know, pr- um, you know, protect your weaknesses. So. All right. Fourth one. I got three numbers here. 28, 193, and 109. So here's another way to have success. Uh, Lamar, through two games, has rushed 28 times for 193 yards, with 109 of those coming over expected based on uh, the rushing yardage models. Wow. Uh, it's, that's just unbelievable. Over half of his yards, more than, more than expected. Four yards per carry over expected. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> he just blows away that. that. That model has no business trying to predict what Lamar Jackson is going to do. <laughs> That's a great just, point. Let's, just be, let's be honest. He, they should have just excluded him. He, they have no idea what he's going to do. So uh, 28 rush attempts puts him at an average of 14 per game. That compares to... 10.6 last year and 11.7 the year before. So that's that's a lot of rushes. And we knew we'd be rushing more with, uh, you know, the running backs, uh, you know, room a little bit different and, and shorthanded this year. But that's, that's a lot of rushes. We'll see if that can hold up. Um, 193 yards puts him at an average of 96.5 per game. That's third in the NFL behind Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon. Pretty good company. So that's pretty impressive for a QB. And good for 6.9 yards per attempt, uh, first amongst those with 20 attempts. So he is you know, third overall, but a lot fewer attempts than, than either of those other guys. So, um, and 109 rush yards over expected. The next highest is Derrick Henry with 48. So that's, wow. that's just ridiculous, you know? And, and, and Henry's uh, on a lot of carries. To right. Double the number of characters. Yeah. Double the number of carries. So, um, you know, he, he's got, uh, and, uh, pretty awesome. Actually, Tyson, uh, 
comes in third behind Derrick Henry with uh, with 45 uh, yards over expected. So 40, that's 45, awesome. and that's on about what's he got about 18 carries, something like that for the season right now. So he might be two and a half yards uh, uh, over expected per carry. Uh, let's see. So he, I'm not sure exactly how many yards, but I, I have the number he or rushes. He's got 2.03 rush yards over expected per attempt. So, uh, so he must have like 22 or so, mm-hmm. um, runs and the 2.03 leads for running backs. So obviously wow. Lamar is above that, but, uh, you know, Tyson leads the league with rush yards over expected, uh, per attempt. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, he looks like the real deal to me. Boy, I love love watching him run. Uh, let's go to the next number is 24.8%. That is the incremental win probability for going forward on first down in percentage points for by next-gen stats on, on that fourth and one near the end of the game where Lamar walks the sideline. Harbaugh's already made the decision, but Lamar walks the sideline and asks Lamar, Lamar, you want to go for it? <laughs> and Lamar says something inaudible, but, but you then see Harbaugh say, okay, let's go for it. <laughs> I, I love watching that interchange. It's a great piece of video to see that, but 82% to win the game by going for it, 58% by punting. Uh, that's supposed to take into account who the chiefs are. At least I think it is. Uh, it still sounds kind of, I think I'd go on the, on the, on the 42% if they had punted that ball, that the chiefs probably would have won the game and not just 42% to win the game. Yeah, I think that's wager? that's that's under you know understating Mahomes, especially at yeah. that end of the game. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's understating for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't. I, I don't think I could call it a ballsy call because it was such an obvious call from an analytics perspective. I mean, obviously, if you miss something like this, you should take the same kind of punishment that somebody gets if they go for it on fourth and one and they fail. You know, obviously, they, they made the right call, and that. It, well, okay, I'm not even describing this correctly, but obviously, it's it's a more it's, it's a bit of a much worse sin to not go for it and and uh, and then lose the ball game. Yeah, I 100 percent agree from an analytics standpoint, but the league isn't there yet. You know, we're <laughs> we're getting a lot more people that that buy into the analytics and are you know a lot higher percentage of players going or plays going for it on fourth down. But there are a ton of coaches that would n- never have even thought to go for it. So I think he deserves a ton of credit for it. I, I read that this was the second time that um, the that a team has ever gone for it for fourth and one on um, like on their own side of the feet of the 50. So, um, and there must've been some time element. So I don't remember exactly the details, but it was clear that this has not happened very often, despite all the, all the math behind it. So yeah, very funny time. I mean, fourth and one from their own 29, the Dallas Cowboys went it in the Barry Switzer era. So we're talking about this. That's in the nineties. Now we're talking about, and he took a ton of abuse for it. It's against the Eagles. They didn't make it. And, and, you know, he has to explain it on the podium and he's not Belichick. We're saying, we're, we're concerned about the Redskins now. I'll talk about the Redskins game. We're moving on to the Redskins on every question. He just didn't have that ability to do that. So he got real defensive on the podium. It looks terrible. And, and you're right. That's how coaches lose their jobs when they don't answer those questions right. And they and they make choices that are contrary to established principles. Exactly. So I think there's still plenty of credit to give to him. So it was pretty awesome. Um, so another win percentage, uh, win probability number for you guys, uh, 51.4%. Uh, based on This one's based off of the NFL faster model. And this was the change in win probability on the OA fumble. Uh, so the cause fumble at the end of the game and recovery. Um, 
51.4%. The Ravens had a 36.4% of, of winning beforehand, and it moved up to an 87.8% win probability afterwards. There have only been two plays with larger swings in win probability so far in 2021. One was a missed field goal at the end of the Minnesota-Arizona game, which obviously a missed field goal swinging, swinging the results mm-hmm. makes sense. And the other one was a Joe Burrow 32-yard pass on fourth and one with 39 seconds left in overtime to get within field goal range. So you can see how dramatic those plays were. And to have uh, you know that significant of a change is pretty wild. So yeah, let, let me let me give you the one the one play that I think may frame it up for Ravens fans. The mile high miracle did not improve the Ravens' chance to win that game by as much as 50%. It, it created a tie, but it certainly didn't. It, 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 it might have taken them from zero to 43, 45, 46, somewhere in there, would you say, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yep. Reasonable, because Denver was going to get the ball with 30 seconds, and they chickened out. But they still had a good time in overtime, a chance in overtime to beat the Ravens at home. Right. And, of course, the Ravens didn't do it. So that away fumble... If 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 there are any Tyron Matthew fans out there that says, well, why didn't he get Defensive Player of the Week in the AFC? You know, on a win probability basis, it's pretty easy to explain. Right, unbelievable. So at that over half the percent, you know, half win percentage. That's just unbelievable. Ridiculous. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I try to think of the of the play in Ravens history, but the one I might think of that that might have changed it, and we'd, we maybe maybe NFL Fast Star can give you this information this far back, but the 2000 playoff game against Tennessee, the block punt return for the touchdown, was that as much as 50%? Because I think that might have been, but, mm-hmm. I, but, I, uh, but I'd like to, I'd like to know. Anyway, uh, I'll go into my last stat. 12-4, and four, that's the underdog's record against the spread in week one, which is the best of the Super Bowl era for week one of a season. It's interesting because week one, a lot of times you don't know how good the teams are. And so I would expect that that would have happened you know, more often, that the underdogs had had a good um, week when a lot of people are betting based on last year's records. And whatnot, but not the case. Twelve and four is the best of the Super Bowl era. They were nine and seven outright, and the last time underdogs had a winning record on the opening week was nineteen eighty three. I say this all because the Ravens are now seven and a half or eight point favorites on Detroit, depending on where you look at Detroit. And I don't know about you, but I don't feel right now like the Ravens are good enough to look past any game, Detroit or or anybody, uh, frankly. And a road game can't even imagine that. Yeah, you know, and they got to keep the momentum. So any step back would be devastating. But, uh, you know, I think if they played their game, they definitely are the better team, even with the injuries. But, uh, yeah, you know, all these young guys need to continue to step up. So I I 100% agree with you that they need, um, you know, everyone's focus on every game. Uh, My last stats are 35, uh, 30.5% and 28.3%. Uh, that's the percentage of passing yards uh, to running backs and to tight ends for Detroit. So 30.5% of passing yards going to running backs. That's the highest in the NFL. Swift and Jamal Williams are definitely going to be a challenge to, mm-hmm. to guard. They're both r- really good receiving t- uh, running backs. And then 28. 3% is the fifth highest. And we both know, you know, you've talked a lot about that Hawkinson is a real tough matchup. So uh, these numbers are based off of uh, at Stags NFL on Twitter. So just want to give him a shout out for that. Um, but, you know, those are ridiculously high. 
And we've seen how they've struggled in, in week two. But I do think uh, that it'll go similar to week one and that they'll limit them uh, because they don't have the really strong wide receivers that they're going to have to focus on. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to focus on limiting uh, Hawkinson and then give some attention to the running backs. So uh, I, I don't think the wide receivers are enough of a threat that they'll have to game plan for them. Yeah, I think it, it should really come down to the inside linebackers and how they play. And those inside linebackers are better better at downhill coverage opportunities. A lot of what they got beat on was, you know, they got beat on bunch formations. They got beat on crossing routes by wide receivers where they don't really have the speed to keep up. They got beat on a lot of swing passes to the outside. Most of those were not to running backs, but the couple were. Um, and and it, it, I think at least these running backs, an inside linebacker moving downhill, that's the easiest possible coverage responsibility, including the wheel route. Um, that they can have. It doesn't really test them on that level two, level three thing, which is what Hawkinson will do. So we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out and, uh, and looking forward to it. That's all of them, right, Dan? Yep. That's all our numbers. A lot of them this week, but, uh, but exciting after a win and uh, excited to keep going. So yeah, worth talking a little bit worth, yep. worth just stewing a little bit in this nice <laughs> exactly. victory, victory juice. Anyway, really appreciate it as always, Dan, always fun to talk football with you. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time on film study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.